Well, hello there, listeners. I'm Lazarus Black, here with another update on what's been going on with this podcast thing. See, the Rogue Valley roleplayers are now an affiliate of BattleBards, an online resource of sound effects, tension tracks, and all sorts of audio goodies to use in your own games and shows. Just head on over to BattleBards.com and check them out. And if you like what you see, be sure to sign up for a Prime membership. And don't forget to use our promo code, RVRPODCAST, when you do. Be seeing y'all. Hello and welcome everyone to the Rogue Valley Roleplayers. My name is Ben. I am here with Austin, Ed, Rosemary, and Nick. And we are ready to record yet another session of Valley of Famine. Once again, my name is Ben. You just heard me say that like seven seconds ago. Um, I'm the Marshal. I'm running the shindig, herding the cats, doing the things, pulling the adventure out of my ass. Uh, this is Austin. I'm playing Wynon Beards Slay. <laughs> and it's no more clown around. We're grim dark from here on out. Well, I'm Ed. I'm playing the weird scientist Daisy Gilmore. But people call her Rail and Daisy because she keeps railing on and on about the Lemurians and all that. My name's Rosemary. I play... Uh, I keep wanting to say deputy. This is going to take me a bit to get used to it. She's no longer ex-deputy Rachel Jane Kennedy. She is a hexinger, but will she hexing again? I am Nick S. I am playing Haru Matsuhara, the harrowed samurai. And when last we left off, uh, the posse had just been reunited with their old nemesis, Malcolm Locke, who has since undergone some character growth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, He lost both of his trigger fingers and uh, has sought out the assistance of the posse since they happened to be in Salt Lake City at the same time as him uh, uh, in order to rescue uh, a person by name of Frank Butler who has been kidnapped and held for ransom. Who has hired him? Why, Frank Butler's wife, of course, who just so happens to be none other than the legendary Annie Oakley, who likely would have no trouble at all rescuing her husband on her own, but that wouldn't make for a very interesting adventure, so she's reaching out to the posse. Uh, yeah. So you're at Buffalo Bill's Wild West show. You're in Annie Oakley's wagon, and uh, she was sitting there doing gun maintenance, we'll say. Um, And she looks up, looks Rachel in the eye, and says, Rachel, fancy seeing you here. Annie, and yeah, Rachel, like, crosses over to her and just... Sweeps her up in a big hug. Uh, that's yeah. You definitely sweep her up. I think she's uh, she's not a big person, and uh, she returns it. So this is a surprise. Um, what are you doing here in Salt Lake City? Uh, we're out here on a job. Um, oh, these are my 
friends, and she'll turn around and um, introduce everyone who's here. Starting with, I think... She already knows me. Or is yeah, that yeah, me? that's right, because you traveled with us, didn't like, you? Hey, hey, hey uh, Annie. She, she looks over uh, your shoulder and kind of squints. It's a little dark. <laughs> and I, Well, her eyesight would be adjusted, actually. So she looks over uh, your shoulder and sees Daisy. And, Daisy Gilmore, is that you? Yeah, Annie. We've been traveling. I've been traveling with Rachel here for days now. Well, for years now, since we left the circus. That's been some time. Come, come in. Who, who are the other two? Well, this is uh, Haru Matsuhara. He, she, Rachel kind of gives you like this side look, like she doesn't want to reveal necessarily. He's dead. That and like she's unsure how to introduce you because she's so used to like you were the chief of railroad police, but you are recently no longer. So she's stumbling over your introduction because she doesn't want to offend you. A friend to Rachel. Bow's head. Well, a friend to Rachel is a friend of mine. Pleasure to meet you. Chopped. And then this is our associate. Ms. Oakley. Takes your hand. It's a pleasure to meet one as talented as you. My thanks. And your name? Clearly you have me at advantage. Why not? Pleasure to meet you. Suppose uh, Mr. Locke here has uh, explained what uh, what has happened, what we need to do. Yeah, he said Frank got kidnapped? Yep. At the outhouse. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> Sorry. We got a ransom letter, so I know where they're holding him. Surprised you didn't just go storming in there yourself. Well, I thought about it, but... Uh, it's a long ways off. Small, small, uh, old mining town called Desolation. Uh, and sounds like there's quite a few of them, so I thought it'd help to, uh, have a little backup. Oh, you can count on me, Annie. Good. They, uh, they asked for $20,000, so I'm offering $20,000 for the five of you, including Mr. Locke, to, uh, split amongst yourselves. Once we get Frank back. I can't take any money from you. Oh, no, I insist. Rachel's shaking her head. What are you doing in Salt Lake City, anyway? Uh, that's a question for Daisy. We're looking for my daddy. Oh? He's, uh, been abducted as well? Apparently. At least no one's found him dead, and less people have heard that he's somewhere around here in Salt Lake City. I'm sorry to hear that, uh... Got my mind on other things, but I'd be happy to help while uh, while the circus is still here in town. All right, if you have, you can keep your ear to the ground. That'd be great. Of course. So, town of Desolation is about three days ride across the salt flats. Not going to be easy, especially with them rattlers out prowling the the territory. Before we go. Could you give me a description of your husband? Of course. And she does. I don't know what Frank Butler looked like, but she knows what Frank Butler looked like, and she describes him to you. Perfect. And uh, 
just to cover all bases, he wasn't acting strange at all the last few days. This is out of the blue. Uh, no, not at all. He uh, stepped out to make a deposit at the bank and uh, stopped to relieve himself at one of the outhouses and, well, didn't show up. And a day later, I got a ransom note. He made the deposit, though? Yes. Annie, that's awful. Oh, we'll make the some bitches dip, uh, pay. We will get your husband back. Are you well armored, ma'am? <laughs> Not Rachel armed. Rachel laughs at that, too. Not armed. Armored. Armored. Hmm. Not a whole lot of call for that in my line of work. Well, if I think like a criminal, I would say that they're looking to lure you out into a remote location and murder you. Seems to make the most sense to me. They don't expect you to pay the ransom. And how would you know that, Mr. Wynon? I have a sense for people. Bad people. Good people. Hmm. 20000 is a lot of money to ransom. Well, I imagine they knew who Frank was. And I imagine they know who you are. And I imagine that they want to bring you out there and kill you. You can do with that information what you will, but it's my gut telling me so. I don't know why they'd want to kill me. I have no enemies that I know of. People will always find a reason. I don't know, Annie. People could build a reputation off of you. Wouldn't be the first time some up and yum comer challenged you to a shootout. Well, we'll just have to be careful then. Besides, that's why I'm uh, looking for folk to help back me up. It's just in case something like that goes down. So, I presume you can ride out anytime? Yeah. You have my guns. I go where they go. I'm committed. Well, what about those rattlers? Is there another way to get out there? Malcolm's kind of standing in the background. He, like, goes to hold up a hand, uh, a hand realizes he doesn't have a finger to, to, like, hold up and sighs and clears his throat and waves his hand. I might know of someone who could help us get there quickly and unexpectedly. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, I hope none of you are afraid of heights. I am not. I find they give us a better view. I have never been in the air. Well, there's a first time for everything there, Haru. Uh, may I call you Haru? Matsuhara. Matsuhara. All right. First time for everything, Mr. Matsuhara. So, uh, yeah, let's um, let's go meet this guy. I personally have never flown with him, but I know he's available, and I know he's cheap. <laughs> Do we really want to trust in some cheap pilot? Yeah, available that... and cheap. 
the Malcolm recommends. Hey. Now, no offense. Now, now, is available and cheap reliable? I've heard he's reliable. Hmm. <laughs> as reliable as you, Malcolm? If anything goes wrong, you get tossed off first. What's, what's that supposed to mean, sir? Not trying to make any sort of point. If we need to jump ship, you jump first. <laughs> oh, believe me, I'm a man who likes to keep both boots on the ground. Anything goes wrong, I'll be the first overboard. I don't know, Annie, it's, uh, it's your call. This is your husband. With the rattlers out, it's dangerous for horses. It is a good option to seek something to fly across. Sounds good to me. And I know there are plenty of people like me who have... Who, uh, contraptions around here. I mean, you, we've seen them flying all over this town, so... That's true. There's, uh... flying gizmos aplenty around here. Yes, I'm still in wonder. It's quite a wondrous town. City. They don't much care for a circus folk, but... I've been making a good penny. Let's not waste any more time. Let's, uh, Malcolm... or, uh, Mr. Locke, she says. Uh, lead on. And uh, Malcolm nods and leads the way out of the wagon and out of the circus. Is what What is Annie taking with her from her tent? Oh, good point. She grabs uh, uh, a side satchel. It's got... Um, I, you don't know what's in it. It's already packed. And then she grabs that uh, very ornately decorated and carved Winchester off of the uh, the gun rack, slings it into a, a very nice uh, rifle boot and slings that over her shoulder. And then she grabs her hat. It's a nice gun. Why, thanks. Still using the old Winchester, I see? Same one as uh, when I found you. Glad to have that back at my side. <laughs> it's good to see you again, Rachel. You too, Annie. I've missed you. I've thought about you. Wondered how you were doing. She'll kind of sigh and look off into the middle distance. <laughs> Not dramatically, just kind of like... Uh, well, there's been good times and bad times. Well, that's, that's life for you. Yep. Get your ups and get your downs. As long as you uh, pick yourself back up, that's all that matters. Hmm. Yeah, that's... Uh, it's harder to do than say. It's always the case, but that's what friends are for. So you walk through um, junkyard, uh, and again, there's a lot of smog. Uh, the masses around you, workers going to and from factories, they're all wearing face masks and filters, so it's pretty much your, a mass of faceless people. Uh, those of you are still amongst the living. Uh, go ahead and give me bigger rolls. And I think he notices uh, Malcolm and Annie. You know, go go walking from the the circus into this place. They actually pull out some some filtration masks and pull them on. Simple. Okay. Kind of simple. Uh, simple success. All right. So you're you're definitely feeling kind of like a, a tickle the back of your throat as you're breathing in some of the smog. You're maybe getting a little bit of a cough, but. I'm used to it. Yeah. Rachel's gonna, like, take her, you know, kerchief and just pull it up. Okay. Over her mouth. Yeah, that, that helps a little bit. 
Um, but yeah, there's just there's smog and there's pollution all over the place as you're walking through here. And you see uh, those who who are wandering through the streets that don't have masks have have uh, coughing fits. You see some people that uh, maybe look like they're they're homeless. They're just sitting in in um, oily puddles of, of water, just hacking, coughing. Someone's got a, a kerchief held to their mouth and they pulled away. It's just bloody. That's awful. And there's just you can't even count how many people are, are moving around this town. But eventually, um, Malcolm leads you out from the, the heart of Junkyard to the outskirts, where the, the pollution gets a little less bad. Um, and he leads you to a large, very large warehouse on the outskirts of town. And uh, there's no sign on front of it. There's... Um, there's smoke streaming from like a, a, a chimney uh, in the warehouse, but other than that, there appears to be no signs of activity. There's no windows either. Malcolm, I swear to God, if you're about to double cross us, you're going to get a bullet in your brain for your trouble. And he gives you a look, uh, like a, a what the fuck is that about look, and Malcolm kind of turns and from, from behind the, the, the filtration mask, he kind of gives you a little bit of a glare, and then... Kind of shakes his head. Well, kind of deserve that, but no, deputy. I am not double crossing you. Rachel winces when he says deputy. And he's like, I must have missed this. Is there some history between the two of you? Could say that. We will leave it alone for now. We must meet this pilot. Yeah. I imagine there will be plenty of time on the ride to talk about history. Uh, hopefully not, Malcolm mutters to himself. I'm so looking forward to pushing Malcolm off the airship. Oh. I hate to agree with Mr. Locke, but speaking about history around people who we do not know very well is not a good thing. Too many secrets. Uh-huh. We know Andy yep. really well. Hey, I'm gonna knock on this door now. Malcolm says, <laughs> and and immediately like like walks quickly ahead. So done with this conversation. So done with this conversation, and then he, he starts knocking on the door. And there's a long pause. Do you all like? Yeah, we'd be meet up yeah. with him there. Oh, so you're, sure. you're standing in front of this door. It's kind of a, a large-ish door. It's not like a double door like you would expect to see. Uh, for a warehouse. It's just a very big door. Uh, and after about a minute of standing there and waiting, you find out why the door is very big. Because it go- it swings open. And there is easily a nine-foot gorilla standing at the door. Literally a gorilla. What the fuck? Even Malcolm seems very taken aback. Malcolm, you son of a bitch, Rachel's gonna say. <laughs> I would not make any sudden moves, deputy. I was not expecting this either. I hope he's not the pilot. And, um... Where did they get the gorilla? The gorilla doesn't say anything. It's just looking. You notice it's got a mechanical eye. Like, like this big, huge uh, device just socket in there, and it's got like a, 
there's a technical word for it that's escaping me. He's got like this this lens orifice. Uh, anyway, and it's, it's it stands there, like upright. It looks awkward. It's not on its uh, knuckles, and, and it looks at you for like three seconds, okay, and then turns and and then like goes down its knuckles and starts uh, kind of moving away from the door, and you hear. A very British voice say, Gregory, who's that at the door? Oh, God. On second thought, I think we should just take horses, you guys. I am in agreement, Malcolm says. I know this was my suggestion, but I agree with horses. I am curious to see where this is leading. Yeah, I want to see this guy's flying machine. You do see it. It looks... the, the warehouse is it, this thing dominates the entire warehouse which pretty much the whole warehouse looks like it's dedicated as a dry dock for this this vessel it looks like a uh, a huge uh, tall ship it doesn't look like it has uh, any sort of mechanical devices you don't see propellers or anything there's mm-hmm. there's definitely like uh, a partially inflated gas bag over it so it's a dirigible yeah, kind of like a dirigible, and it's got like these these huge uh, veins that are currently up. You said British voice. Yes. Do we recognize this British voice? No. Oh, it's not. What's his name from? It's not um, Lord Greystoke. Not yeah. Guy. It's not Ohol. It's not John Greystoke. No. Dang it. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, you hear you hear a voice and say, "Gregory, who's that at the door?" And you see this man come stepping out from behind uh, some crates. He's got, um, he's wearing a suit, and it's immaculate. It's a black and white suit uh, with coattails and everything. He's got a top hat on. The top hat looks kind of weird, but you can't really put your finger on why. And he's got this this bizarre set of, of goggles over his head that just has, like, far too many lenses jetting out in different... Uh, directions um and he's got uh, a a tool belt wrapped around his his nice coat um looks like he's been doing some sort of engineering work in his suit you're finer dressed than i am who's your tailor how dare you ask me such a question that i have not prepared considering i made up this character like literally 10 minutes ago I'm sorry, we were looking for a pilot. We've clearly found the wrong building. We'll be on our way. Pilot? You're, you're looking for airship services? Yes. Yes. Or a tailor. Is that your ship? Yes! The Queen Victoria! God bless Her Majesty. Oh, God. We found another crazy British person. No, we just got a British person. <laughs> We're looking for a zookeeper, a tailor, and an air pilot. It looks like we may have gotten lucky. And a butcher, a baker, and candlestick maker. I don't quite follow, but yes. The Queen Victoria is my vessel. I am Professor Daniel Fitzgerald. Well, Fitz, we need to hire an airship. Professor, we are looking for a traveler across the sand salt flats. Ah, yes, I've just gotten finished uh, doing some repairs to the Queen Victoria. God bless Her Majesty. 
I hope he says that every time. <laughs> every time he says the name, yeah. And, uh, yes. Across the salt flats, you say? How soon? Now? Most heard. All right. Gregory, get Her Majesty ready to fly. <laughs> um, yes, uh, fee. Hmm. Ah. How much money do you have? <laughs> I have a hundred dollars, Fitz. Hmm. It it does cost slightly more than that. What do uh, you? I'll pay you two hundred dollars. It does cost slightly do more. Do you know who she is? Who's... Point to Annie. No. That's Annie Oakley. We got the money to pay. So tell us how much it costs. Okay. Uh, assuming, Miss Oakley, that you are a, a woman of, of some wealth. Annie just rolls her eyes. You should get out of your warehouse more often there, Mr. Fitzgerald. It's Professor. How Professor much, Fitzgerald. How much money would you say you need? I To leave within the hour. To leave within the hour, I would require at least $800. Done. A day. Day. You're done too fast. Down, <laughs> No, no, no. You said it at the perfect time because he didn't finish it. <laughs> now, let's hold on a minute here. You, you want us to pay you $800 a day when you're here with a monkey? An ape. Not a monkey. Yes. Entirely different genius. Now, how long is it going to take to fly out to this desolation place then? Desolation? Uh, you'd have to show me it on a map. Do you have an office? Yes, yes, of course, this way. It leads you to his office. It's uh, cluttered with all sorts of gizmos and, like, an infinite number of, of cups of tea that clearly were brewed and then never actually consumed. Um, and he, like, carefully picks one up, takes a sip. Oh, oh it's cold. Sets it aside. That is the worst ever. And, uh, Gregory! A cup of tea, please. Uh, anyone else? Would you like some tea? Uh, is it... Was a little something in it, maybe? No. Then no. You got some coffee? Ugh. Vulgar stuff. No, absolutely not. I guess tea will do, then. All right. Of course I'll take some tea. I'm going to charge us $800, make it the best tea of your life. Gregory does make an excellent cup of tea. Better not have any hairs in it. I will also have a cup of tea. Yes. Gregory, best prepare the whole pot. <laughs> Rachel turns to Malcolm and just mouths at him. It's not actually saying this out loud, but just like, how did you find this guy? Word of mouth. He mouths back. Look, I don't know. I was expecting to ride my horse. <laughs> So, uh, yes. Is there, like, a map? That yeah, could, he, he, he yeah. uncovers this map of Deseret. And, so show me where, where this, this desolation is. I'm not too familiar. Miss Oakley, you know where the village is, or town, mine, settlement, whatever you want to call it. Yes, it's located right here, and she points to a spot near, near the uh, Nevada-Deseret border. Well, Fitz, what do you think? Well, 
Shouldn't be too much trouble to do that in a day. A day? Yeah, there, in a day. Be another day back, assuming you don't stick around to uh, go sightseeing, is the word I was trying to recall. I will pay $800. A moment, if you would, please. Uh, so what are your operating costs per day for this rig? Oh my god, please don't ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> um, he gives... Specifically. <laughs> I need running costs here. <laughs> How much will she hold? I have to uh, charge the, uh, the Queen Victoria... God bless her majesty. With uh, a special device I use that uh, condenses moonlight into a power source. Now I need Ghost Rock to power the device that condenses the moonlight. Ghost Rock isn't cheap, I'll admit that. Indeed. But you haven't answered my question, how much per day? I don't know. Gregory keeps the accounts. Yes. Gregory! Oh, here he is with the tea. Well, if you don't know, then <gasps> if you don't know, then on what basis are you charging us eight hundred? I'm sure today? he has an actual basis to see charges on it. Uh, he gives you a list of numbers of ghost rock amounts needed for the machine, uh, materials, stores uh, on the vessel. Um, does it have a crew? No, I mean it does because its crew is. Uh, Professor Daniel Fitzgerald and his faithful servant, Gregory. Oh my god, is this screwed by the two of them? Yep. Uh, so, if you're cool with this, Ben, I'd like to mentally add all this up in my mind and then persuade him to lower the price. Okay, give me a persuasion roll. Sweet. Uh, that's a seven. So I've done the mental math, and it should cost you about $350 a day to operate this machine. I believe that you're giving us an exorbitant markup, and that a fee of $550 per day would be more fair. Make it 600 and we've got to deal. If you make me tea, then I'll pitch in the 50 myself. Well, you've got tea right in front of you, sir. On the journey. Ah, don't worry. Gregory, of course, brings his, uh, his tea set. <laughs> I will say I'm impressed he got no hair in it. I was expecting a hair or two here or there. I imagine Gregory lifts up like a small little filter that he puts over the cups. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it catches hair and the tea leaves. Gregory is most fastidious. No, cl- clever invention. So, in the hour... Excellent. Excellent, excellent, excellent. I can't wait to test these new improvements. Um, you said excellent one too many times there, Fitz. What's what's wrong? Nothing. I'm excited. Okay. Hey, uh, it's been a month since I last took Queen Victoria, God bless her majesty, to the, to the clouds. It's been a month? Will this ship even fly? Of course! I just finished doing the repairs and making a number of improvements. <laughs> Alright. Improvements? Yes! Repairs? Well, yes. Does it get damaged a lot? It happens. From what? Well, um, have, have you uh, heard of Sir Isaac Newton's theory of gravity? 
I noticed three scratches on the stern. Yes. What? I just painted her. Where? Show me. One patched up hole in the balloon. And a couple of skid marks in the back. Gregory! (laughs) I thought you paid to have those taken care of. And starts like throwing papers looking for invoices. (laughs) (laughs) I think we've been cheated, Gregory. (laughs) Rachel will like tenderly put out her hand on the gorilla and like, there, there, pat him on the shoulder. Sits like down on his haunches and. Don't worry, Gregory. We'll catch up with the uh, the rascals that cheated us, and we'll uh, we'll make them do a right, proper job. Goes back to working on getting the airship ship shape. Air shape. Well, is there anything we can do to assist you in getting her ready? Yes, I do need to fill the airbag. If uh, if a couple of you wouldn't mind manning the pumps, Malcolm would love to do that. <laughs> Malcolm gives you like, hey, look, buddy. He's just like, <sighs> I will help man pump. Thank you, Mr. Matsuhara. I wanted to watch him pump with just three fingers. So, yeah, the two of you go to, to man the pumps, and it's just, you know, cranking uh, and well, slowly. I'm looking at all the stuff of how this all works. Oh, give me a weird science roll. A five. Basic success. Okay, you you don't have like the full picture here. Um, you you don't quite get what he's talking about uh, by powering it with with moonlight and 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 whatnot. Um, you see, there's like some Tesla coil looking devices, which I don't know if those. Uh, oh yeah, they'd be around. I'm not quite sure what Tesla's timeline was, but around this time, yeah, yeah. So there's there's a couple of Tesla coil looking things on, flanking either side of this vessel. You don't again, you don't see any sort of propulsion device, but you see that like these big veins that sweep up along the side of the ship have these these huge hinges and struts on them. All right, so I'm like, I I don't quite understand what this is doing here. So, so you must be using some of that Atlantean technology and not, not Lumerian technology? Lumerian technology? Yeah, the Lumerian. I'm not, I'm not familiar with these people. Oh, they're the little people who live inside Mount Shasta, and that's where I learned how to make my gun here. That's because they don't exist. <laughs> hmm. It seems your friend has some doubts. Well, he, he doubts everything. Friend is a strong word. More like... follower. Ah, well, it sounds like there's... Some history, but not a lot between you. I, There's no I, history. That's the problem. I must, of course, remain objective here. I have neither proof that the Lumerians exist nor proof that they do not exist. But I would like to hear more. All right. Well, <laughs> they live on. They're, they're an ancient people. They have technology far beyond our own. Most of them are like. The ones who live in Shasta are an off sect. They're they're not part of the continent of Lumeria, but yeah, they're they're that's where they've been living for thousands of years. And that is very interesting. I was climbing Mount Shasta, and that's when they spoke to me. Ah, and I learned, and I, when, I, when it was all done, I created this gun. Well, I'm afraid the uh, the Queen Victoria, God bless Her Majesty. Uh, doesn't come from any thousand year old ancient people, but from sheer Honest British ingenuity. Probably the Atlanteans, though. No. No Atlanteans. 
I heard they helped make someone help someone make a submarine once, though. Hmm. What inspired you to leave the ground? A bet. <laughs> what was that bet? Well, someone bet that I couldn't travel around the world <laughs> in eighty-eight you days. Say that. So I built myself a flying machine to do exactly that. Did you win the bet? I crashed in Deseret. Oh no. Oh, sorry to hear that, Fitz. Ah, that's already come and gone. Uh, I will have to uh, return to England once I've taken care of my finances here and uh, restart the bet now that I've perfected the Queen Victoria. God bless Her Majesty. So since no one's asked about the gorilla in the room, where's Gregory from? Where'd you pick him up? From Africa, of course. Where else do you expect to find gorillas? Just in Africa. Well, I found Gregory in Africa. I mean, more specific. Where'd you find him exactly? Ah, I was on an expedition to the Dark Continent, and uh, I happened across Gregory when he was just a uh, a little ape. Smart fellow. Got into my tent, started uh, fiddling with my equipment, and, well, an ape smart enough to want to fiddle with equipment, how can you leave such a fellow behind? And uh, what happened to his eye? We don't talk about that. It was an unfortunate accent, poacher. <laughs> don't break the table, Gregory. Suggestion, why not? Don't anger the eight. <laughs> don't, 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 don't anger the 900-pound gorilla. Let the gorilla win. He does have a name, you know, it's Gregory. Let Gregory win. Please, please address him with some respect. I feel I've addressed Gregory with more respect than you have, ex-deputy. Right. Uh, Gregory, I sense some tension here. Let's, uh, let's go get the, uh, the Queen Victoria. God bless Her Majesty. <laughs> let's, uh, let's go get her ready, Her Majesty ready for, for flight. Yes. Uh, leave you to it. Um, ah, yes, they're, they're walking the, the air pumps. I see the gas bag is, uh, is already filling. Excellent, excellent. Quickly, Gregory. And, uh, yeah, uh, Professor Fitzgerald and Gregory leave the room. And he's just, like, sitting back, kind of sipping a cup of tea. Haru is pumping air. <laughs> so, Malcolm says, I hope you're not planning to stab me in the back at any point in time. I would never stab an enemy in the back that is dishonorable. I'd rather you look me in the eye. All right, let me rephrase it. I hope you don't view me as an enemy, Mr. Masuhara. <laughs> I do not know yet. Okay, that's that's actually encouraging. I'm just keeping my eye on you. So, how has Jacksonville been since, um... Ooh, I probably shouldn't bring that up. I know I don't actually draw breath, but it's kind of the, like a reflex of, like... Well, kind of like, like, he probably has no idea what happened in the time... Since he left, so he's his comment is more of like, "Oh, I don't want to re- bring attention back to when we last met because that's not going to help us move past things." Right. <laughs> You've seen scary things, correct, Malcolm? Yeah, I've seen my share. We were plagued during the winter by very scary things. Oh, I am sorry to hear that. Most of the people passed away. What? Or disappeared. 
Oh, fuck. There were some people I liked there. There were a lot of good people in that town. Yes, there were. So, yeah, an hour goes by, and the Queen Victoria, God bless her majesty, <laughs> is ready for flight. Um, the airbag is filled, straining against the, uh, the roof of the warehouse. I would imagine why they were, like, pumping the air... Rachel would be like helping load any supplies okay. needed onto the ship. Yeah, and uh, Professor Fitzgerald greatly appreciates it and, and vocally expresses it a number of times. Yeah, the the Queen Victoria, God bless Her Majesty, is ready to fly. Is everyone on board? Everyone ready? Yep. Are you ready, Annie? I have my tea. Excellent, excellent. Good job, Gregory. Um, oh, Gregory, deliver! <gasps> slam <laughs> Gregory uh, slams this, this lever back and you hear this, this clanking of machinery and gears and, and the groan of wood and then the, uh, the roof of this warehouse splits open uh, and reveals the sky overhead um, it's probably getting closer to nightfall at this point in time and then uh, Professor Fitzgerald points at a, at a capstan Gregory! The anchor! <laughs> and yeah, Gregory ignores the capstan, just like grabs the chain that the anchor is is attached to and hauls it up onto deck. Next time use the capstan, Gregory, that's how we store it. <laughs> and uh with the, the anchor uh lifted up the that actually I don't get the logic behind that. The weight of the ship has not actually changed. Well, probably they have weights to hold the ship down, and they just pull, pull them out and dump them or something. Yeah, so the weights get dumped, restraints, you know, it gets unclamped, untied, and the vessel lifts up into the sky. And uh, once the, the Queen Victoria, God bless Her Majesty, uh, gets about 100 feet up into the air, um, Professor Fitzgerald... Uh, goes to the, to the wheel, pulls another lever, and these 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 huge veins that were up along the side kind of um, come swooping out. And as they do, they they spread out. They're huge wings, actually. Um, and as they do, you hear this crackle of energy. And uh, kind of looking over the side, you see the two Tesla coils that were mentioned uh, suddenly um, start bristling with electric energy, and then. Uh, tendrils of energy lash up and strike the uh, the wings and they start glowing with energy kind of and then uh, the wings you know they get energized they pull up and uh, back until they're in their vertical positions and then they swoosh down and and send the the ship uh, basically rocketing up into the sky and you're off Incredible. It is, isn't it? Fascinating. You've made a giant balloon bird. That is a very layman's way of putting it, yes. I, I kind of want one of these. Why not? He's just sitting in his chair with his cup of tea, and he's, you see he's pulled out like a small pocketbook that he's jotting some notes in. He's kind of, uh, you know, slyly looking around the, the, the cab and taking note of things. 
I imagine Gregory sees why not taking notes and he's like got the tray of like cookies or something and he looks over like does a snort and offers a, like an aggressive like be careful <laughs> biscuit oh uh thank you Gregory dip uh, thank you Gregory we'll say and take a biscuit thank you Set it down and uh, this one does have a hair. <laughs> Train this <laughs> is just flying. <laughs> <laughs> the Queen Victoria, God bless Her Majesty, uh, goes sailing through the sky at a pretty good clip. Professor Fitzgerald pulls out some uh, equipment and, and is. Uh, taking readings in the sky. Uh, he looks like he's using some sort of uh, compass. He's got a big map out, and he's, he's checking, and uh, eventually the stars comes out, and he starts uh, charting by night by the stars. I don't understand, sir. How do you pilot this with no crew? When? How do you sleep? Well, Gregory handles most of the, uh, the heavy lifting, as it were. He's an excellent first mate. Uh, when does Gregory sleep? When he needs to. In between the two of you, you're able to pilot the ship multiple days? Well, yes, of course. It's You don't have to worry about any waves or shoals or rocks. Just the occasional mountain. Forgive me, sir, that seems incredible. It is. It's quite extraordinary. Haru's towards the front of the ship, just kind of watching the earth pass beneath them, and he's just quietly in wonder. You see your random encounter with rattlers go sailing by. (laughs) (laughs) Can I roll to see if, uh... I want to see if the professor's harrowed. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Go ahead and roll notice at negative two. Five of them. It looks like a living, breathing human being. Interesting. He's drinking teas, eating biscuits. Yeah, but Haru eats too. I have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> he also doesn't smell. I mean, he definitely smells like he bathes regularly, but. I mean, if you're masking your death odor with a huge ape, I imagine all we can smell right now is ape. That is true. That's, that's a good point, yeah. Gregory doesn't smell. He's quite fastidious. No offense, Gregory. <laughs> Um, you know, he, he, he appears to be human. You have no reason in-game to suspect otherwise. Okay. Gregory, well, on the other hand. Gregory is definitely Oh, god damn it! Yeah. I looked at the wrong one! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that accident with the poacher went a little farther than <laughs> Well, if you don't need help manning the ship, I think I'll retire to a cabin. Excellent, yes. Should be spacious cabins below deck. Pick one, anyone, as long as it's not already occupied, or mine, or Gregory's. You'll know if it's Gregory's. Yeah, Rachel will go uh, below decks for right. a like a cabin. Yeah, you find a cabin, no problem. Uh, I think you also bump into Annie down there. Uh, maybe you're in the galley, you know, getting yeah. some food, getting maybe, yeah, something a little like, stronger than tea. Yeah, that's what we're doing, like sitting at a table, reminiscing about old days at the circus. And 
So Malcolm called you deputy? Yeah, I don't know how to tell him I ain't no deputy no more. What happened? Good friend. Died. It was my fault. What exactly happened? How was it your fault? Annie, you ever think about where our power comes from? Occasionally. Well, I met the source. Oh. And it was a it was a demon. <laughs> I find that hard to believe. I did too. But uh I don't know, I guess I wasn't thinking straight and made a deal with them. Oh, Rachel, you know better than to do that. Yeah, well, apparently I don't. And because of that, this demon got loose in the Oak Valley. Put it down? I wish I could say we did, but I honestly don't know. I suspect I haven't seen the last of that monster. But, uh, I can't hex him anymore, Annie. Took your powers from you? No, but since that's where they come from, it's fine. I don't know about no demon. I learned trade from a dentist. Wanted to get a little too familiar. But he was a good sport. A dentist taught you to shoot? Yeah, it wasn't much of a dentist, but he was a better gunslinger. Yeah, Frank and I were doing a show out in Arizona, and uh, this dentist uh, took a fancy for me. Respected when I said no. Good. But uh, he was impressed with my, my sharp shooting and offered to teach me how to do a little extra. So, uh,. Taught me the runes, and well, it's just—it's just another kind of science. No demons involved. I don't know, Annie. I mean, how sure are you of that? I'm pretty sure. I wish I could say the same. I caution you to be careful. Oh, I always am. You might might want to talk to talk to Mr. Locke. I know he's uh, a little wise in the same ways as we are. You don't. I won't say it, but I've seen the, the markings on that coin he favors. Oh, he's definitely a slinger. Ah. What's your history with him? He wouldn't say before. Uh, he introduced himself to me as a federal marshal. Huh. He, I don't know, your colleagues at the very least trusted him to watch my back. He uh, put a bullet in it dragged me out into the woods. He's going to take me back to Paul. Ghost bullet. Yeah. So I'm still here. So what happened? He didn't. Obviously, he didn't get you back to your husband. Uh, he very nearly did. The last minute, he changed his mind. Which is the only reason why he's still standing. About to go put a bullet in myself. 
Yeah, I don't trust a manny. I certainly won't now. I mean, he says he's turned a new leaf. I'd like to believe him. But, you know the saying. Fool me once. Yeah. Well, we could always throw him overboard. It's not I'm too late. I'm looking forward to it. I kind of want to just tie a rope around him and shove him overboard, regardless. And I think right at that moment is when Malcolm Locke comes walking <laughs> in. Yeah, and then they like look at him and they both just burst out laughing. Uh-huh. I know when I'm not wanted. Um, mind if I get some whiskey before you shove me overboard? Is there... Like, it's not my whiskey to give away, is I mean, it? you're the only ones in the galley. Sure, she'll slide the bottle along the table to him. Thanks. Mm, come on now, Malcolm. Oh, so you're joking about shoving me overboard? Like, half joking. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, I take it, Ms. Ogley, that uh, Rachel here... Sorry. Ms. Kennedy has uh, filled you in on our history. And Annie nods. Well, there won't be any further trouble for me, I assure you. I've already paid my price. What did happen there, Malcolm? You never quite said exactly. Well, your unlamented ex-husband did something to that artifact that I was promised. Somehow, he was always a couple steps behind me, no matter where I, uh, where I went. He was always turning up. All his, his minions, his flunkies. And then one day he got more than a couple steps ahead of me. I find that hard to believe given what you can do. You can understand my befuddlement. Somehow he did it. I figured out too late that it was the artifact. He enchanted it somehow. Had his, uh, his minions drag me to him. I ain't, this, I ain't looking for. Her sympathy or pity. This is this is just the facts. It's been a good while torturing me. Finally done. Wouldn't kill me. But he uh, cut my trigger fingers off himself. Well, as someone who has also been tortured by Paul, I have my sympathies. I reckon you do. And again, I I apologize for acting on that bounty. Should never take it in the first place. Not my kind of work, anyway. The money was good, too good, and the artifact that was offered. Well, man, with my talents, do a lot. What artifact is this exactly? I caught a glimpse of it, but you know, there were other things on my mind at the time. Well. I use my hexlingen powers to get around very rapidly without having to uh, do all the legwork in between. That compass was some sort of ancient Native American device from uh, way down south. It uh, enhanced my abilities. I, I, I don't know the math for how much it did, but I probably could have jumped any location in the world I wanted. Should I whistle at that? So, you can you can get my temptation. Did not pay off, and I no longer have the artifact. Who's got it, Paul? Uh, yeah, 
don't reckon he can make use of it. I don't think he's got any hexlingers under his payroll. Not yet, at least. God willing. I've put the word out, those I know in the field, not to work for him. Heard, uh... Go ahead. If you don't mind, can I see your coin? He hesitates. I guess we'll see. You know what? Forget I asked. No, go ahead. Just just a personal thing, you know? No, I understand. And he, he pulls his coin out from his sleeve and sets it on the table and slides it over to you. She'll, um, pick it up. I just want to, like, look at this coin. Like So, at first it looks like a silver eagle, and then you, uh, just, like, a very cursory glance at it, and then you realize that it's not any sort of American currency. It's a, a large, flat silver disc, and it's got um, all sorts of, of runes, runes that you recognize carved on it, and then in the center, instead of an eagle, it's actually uh, a sigil of a tree. This isn't like any coin I've ever seen. I reckon it ain't like any coin you'll ever see again. She will slide it respectfully back across the table to him. Thank you kindly. Where did you find that? His eyes flick over to Annie. And back to you. Man gave it to me. Man at the crossroads. Great. Man with one eye. And Rachel's kind of gesture at Annie and say, like, you know, see, this is what I'm talking about. Like, this power, we don't know where it comes from. We're dealing with things that ought not to be dealt with, maybe. Things happen in Jacksonville. Is this what happened to Macario? Rachel, at that name, is just gonna, like, drain her whiskey, get up, shove her chair back, and just be like, can't talk about this. Good night. So, why not? What are you up to? I think he's taken sufficient notes about the construction and engineering of the marvelous craft he finds himself in. Probably don't understand most of it since it's weird science at work, but yeah. You've definitely got sketches and stuff. Yeah, he's kind of sketched out, and he's made notes like uh, unknown ghost rock engine uh, propelled by electric interference or something to that effect. And he's got like a picture of the Tesla coils, and he's kind of doing like some mental math, like how much ghost rock this guy's pumping in every hour and stuff like that. Um, so there's like a series of figures and stuff that he's kind of jotting out, like drawing a line underneath and re re jotting the figures. And that should be enough. It's in his pocket. Daisy, you're probably walking by. Yeah, I'm definitely like, you know, like a kid in a candy store with uh, this machinery. <laughs> Daisy, uh, why don't you have a seat with me? Yeah? I'd like to get to know you a little better. Well, I don't want to let you know me better right now. <laughs> I, 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 I do have a boyfriend back home, you know. Oh, I, I wasn't talking like that. No. But I'm flattered that it means <laughs> <laughs> uh, Since I know that uh, you've seen them, interacted with them, uh, would you mind telling me about those Lemurians over in Oregon? Oh, well, sure. They're, they're actually in California. Mount Shasta. Oh, of course. 
silly. Right, close enough, close enough. Here, yeah, no, you're not from around there, are you? Uh, no. Uh, East Coaster myself. Yeah. Well, I, I first heard about them when I was on the road, and I met this guy named Freddie. He he knew this this Lemurian named Palos the Tibetan, and, and spoke through him. The and Tibetan? that Palos the Tibetan. Are you sure he didn't mean t- Tibet? No, no, because that's all the way in Asia. Now they might. I've been Maybe there. they have a home there. I've been there, you know. Did you see? Did you see the Lemurians there? Is that why you want to know about the ones in Shasta? No. Oh. There are no Lemurians in Asia. Just a lot of uh, very motivated people and a lot of farmers too. Oh yeah, I've met plenty of both. I mean, Haru's been a good friend of mine for a while here. Uh, yes, and Haru's from Japan, isn't he? Well, yeah. I haven't been there yet. What happened in Oregon, Daisy? Well, I've heard a lot of uh, whispers and sad looks, but what happened in Oregon? For some reason, the crops were going bad. Everyone was starving. It was rough out there. A lot of people died. A lot of people died. Isn't there a train line that runs through Oregon, the Iron Dragon? Yeah, it runs all the way up and down the coast. And you're telling me no one paid for food? No one tried to leave? Well, people tried to leave. Yeah, a lot of those folks we've never seen again. Probably froze out there or just made a life somewhere else. And yeah, what food we can get, we got. I mean, food food was luckily coming in. Some people passed away. You're telling me more than your friends have, but I can't help but feel that we're still holding something back. What happened in Oregon, Daisy? Please. That, that, that's what happened. I mean, people were starving, and yeah, things were real bad. But spring came, and things got better. And where did the Lemurians come in? I'm still confused on that point. Well, they got mad at me. I'll tell you that. They like they they. They will no longer share their technology with me because I've done bad things with their technology. Yeah. Like what? You see this railgun here? Yes. You've seen me use it, right? Yeah, I think so. Well, actually, I don't think you know that he's seen me use. No, that's true, yeah. Yeah. I've been inspecting your weapon. I don't know what it's capable of, but it seems interesting. It is capable of dealing... Massive damage to to things. Unfortunately, I have I've hurt people with it. And that's not what the Lemurians want. What do the Lemurians want? They want their technology for the benefit of of their own kind and for mankind. Mankind's not ready for it, as you can see. I mean, they taught me they taught me how to use the ghost rock, and I used it to kill them. I hope you won't be offended when I say this, but I don't think mankind particularly needs Lemurian technology. And he just kind of gestures to the boat that we're sitting in. <laughs> well, we do need it, though. This is where... I mean, he doesn't... He's, I'm pretty sure it's Atlantean technology here, because it doesn't really... I can't figure out... What, what is this thing here? What is this thing here, Wyman? Uh, looks like a, a, a rudder. Yeah, but that's not what I asked. So I, I, I don't quite understand what he's done here. So, 
Just because, yeah. Not well, everyone learns from the Lemurians. That, they, they have this technology, and, and they have taught it to me. They've taught it to my friend Freddy. And, yeah, it's out for others, but they're not the only ones. They're not the only ones that have come here to help mankind and teach us technology to better ourselves. And let's say that I wanted to learn this Lemurian technology. How much do they charge, Daisy? They don't charge nothing. That was the beauty of it. Really? I just walked up Mount Shasta, and next thing you know, like, yeah, there I was. I was, was transported to their city. It was cold up there. The cold, yes. Yeah, it was, it was horrible. It was freezing a bit on me. But, but I survived because the Lumerian saved me. Oh, that's wonderful to hear, Daisy. You know, if I was a skeptical man, I'd say that you had a bout of hypothermia, hallucinated, and that you invented that weapon yourself, but clearly it was Lemurians. Now, they taught me how to use my daddy's invention and take it better. If you go up to Shasta, maybe, maybe it'll teach you. Yes, maybe I too can hallucinate and almost die in the cold and invent something wonderful. This has been a wonderful talk, and I appreciate that you had it with me. Would you like some tea? I have a little extra left. No coffee, huh? No. I'll put a couple extra spoons of sugar in it for you. No, no sugar. It makes it too sweet. I'm not from the South. <laughs> so, Haru and Gregory roleplay. <gasps> You are one big, friendly gorilla, aren't you? <laughs> like your master, he's good to you. <laughs> um, I suppose I could use a way to eat. Thank you. <laughs> so where is Haru after uh, Gregory lumbers off to give him a bite to eat? <laughs> Haru's feeling the... Uh, the call that uh, Lazarus is—it's nighttime. Lazarus is like, "Hey, we need to we need to rack out, and we need to not do it around other people." <laughs> so uh, he starts to head below deck. Okay. Uh, maybe he pe- peeks in the galley to see Rachel and Annie talking with Malcolm, and listens at the door as Wynon and uh, Daisy are conversing. Just kind of wanting to check on where his friends are. He gets a little uh, sad when he checks on Rachel, you know, actually laughing with Annie Oakley with Malcolm and stuff, because he's like, I wish I could be alive again for her. Uh, he's, he's still feeling a lot of the, the pain that. Like I'm, I'm never gonna be human again, kind of thing. But he's doing. He's trying to make the best of it by taking care of his friends. He'd want to honor Macario by trying to keep an upbeat spirit. You get to your your bunk, your your quarters, and you lock the door. And you you lie down just in time as Lash is like, "All right, I apologize for what comes next, of course." But it's no longer in my control. See you on the other side. And then you're out. 
And the nightmares that follow are unpleasant to a degree that you've never experienced with Lazarus before. And then you're standing there at the barn doors, looking in as Rachel's checking the horses, looking for some supplies to take back to the cabin. And then you hear footsteps behind you, snap of twigs on the ground. Haru turned, uh, I turned, gripping the hilt of my sword, and turned to look. It stands there, towering over you, as most things tend to do in your nightmares. Straw coming from its sleeves, from its neck, from under its shirt. Its jack-o'-lantern smile stretching from ear to ear, its eyes burning with fire. The scarecrow stands over you, laughing. (laughs) Holding that bloody scythe in its hands. I am not afraid of you. Matsuhara. Be gone from my dreams. Oh, I'm afraid. I cannot do that. Come, let's have ourselves a little chat. (laughs) I refuse to communicate with you. Shall I return my attentions to your dear? You will leave her alone. Will I, though? I own her soul. She is mine to do with as I please. She is her own woman. (laughs) She was up until she sold her soul for a trinket. I would... What do you want? I desire nothing. It is you who have these wants, these needs. I need evil to stop. (laughs) I need you to be punished. I have been around for a very long time, Matsuhara. (laughs) There is much I have wrought and little you can do to punish me. You are in fact quite helpless, particularly in your (laughs) state. But I have an offer.
What do you want? A soul. For a soul. Whose soul? <laughs> oh, Matsuhara. You know better. You are not stupid. Come to you not. Tired of Lazarus Black's me for choosing to align myself with you in any way. I will find some way to save her soul. I will find some way to clean you from every part of this world. <laughs> I'd rather live a thousand years with Lazarus barking in my ear than have you corrupt another person on this planet. Oh, I wouldn't count on that. We'll see. Foul demon. Very well, but remember this moment. Remember when I break Rachel completely. When you stare at her destroyed life and see Slashes you with that scythe and it rips right into your gut, up your your sternum, and out. And you fall back as you hear Rachel scream and Moloch's mocking laughter. And then you wake up. First thing I yell at is Rachel. I just let out a bellow of like you know a cry. Cry her name. It's out. a small ship. I imagine Rachel. You hear that? <laughs> yeah. Like what time is it? It's, it's probably dawn. Like, very early dawn. Yeah, so Rachel kind of... We'll say she was in bed, so she'll kind of, like, fling off her blanket, grab her gun, and, like, run to your room. And just, like... is it, Your door's locked, though, right? No, probably not, honestly. He probably just have closed the door. And... Okay. Yeah, so she'll, like, kind of... That whole, like, you know, burst through the doorway thing gun drawn, like, looking for danger. Yeah. I, he sleeps pretty much in his clothes because he doesn't want to expose Right, this, yeah. You know. Rachel's, like, in a loose white shirt and um, pants, probably. Rachel. You, you alright? I heard you yell. What's going on? There's a notice tenseness to his voice. He's he's finding words hard to say just kind of mumbles 
he was in my nightmares. Uh, who? He gives you a look of absolute, like, fear and anger all at the same time. Yeah, this look of just horror, you know, goes across Rachel's face and she just goes, God damn it! He wanted me to give him my soul for yours. And I gladly would have. No. Would have. But I do not want you to hate me. She will, um, kind of, like, run into your room and, like, hug you. I mean, like, she's like, don't don't ever I can't lose you too I told him that whatever pain however long it will take I will save your soul and the world from his evil if I even have to last a thousand years should have never I can't believe how stupid I was. You were not stupid. You were tricked. I should have known better. How could you? You are beating yourself up for something that you couldn't have possibly known. Just keep going back over that night that's what he wants he wants you to punish yourself in this life so that way you're even more tormented when you get to the next that is the true punishment when you begin to hate even who you are in the real life in the world that you live that is what he wants most of all you cannot let him win and you are doing just that Roll a Dominion Jack. Of course. I start talking heavy stuff and boom. Speaking about letting them win. <laughs> Seven. I'm going to spend a Benny. Actually, I have to spend another one because I have to spend a Benny for the Dominion Jack in the first place. Don't worry, this isn't uh, Malik and it's not Lazarus. It's Casper from the Ghost. It is. Ooh, that's a seven. I'm gonna add a d6 to it. What? Motherfucker! <laughs> I, I could spend a Benny too, but then it would be just a Benny Was off. That, oh no, wait, that's a nine. I don't have to spend a Benny. That's, that's actually a ten. It was a nine. I was reading it upside down. And it looked like a seven? Well, he gets a plus one. Okay. Nine upside down. <laughs> I'm not that bad, damn it, Nick. Seven. Okay. He didn't get a raise, at least. So your dominion goes down by one, and you black out. So you see a visible change in Haru. His eyes kind of glaze over for a moment, and then they come back, and he's telling the truth. He don't know it, because, well, he don't know. He ain't in our situation, but he's right. Malak will try to eat away at you. 
day after day after day after day till you ain't you no more. When Rachel notices that it's no longer uh, Haru in control, she will remove. Like, oh, I kind of envision yeah. like you'd broken the hug already. Yeah. Um, but she's like now. Now she's like physically separating herself. Yeah. Um, and she just looks at him and says, "Yeah, what do you know of it?" <laughs> what do I know of it? All right, you ain't seen Haru's dreams. Did Haru ever tell you what happened to me in life? No, he doesn't talk about you all that much, to be honest. Well, that makes sense. Ah. I used to live down Louisiana way. War was going on. I wanted no part of it. My family and I, we didn't keep slaves. We wasn't supporters of the Confederation. But that didn't matter to Sherman when he come down through the South, burning, raping, pillaging, killing. Some of them Union boys came to my homestead. I watched as they set fire to my home, murdered my family, and then clubbed me unconscious and left me for dead. When I come to, I had nothing left. And then he came. He came, offering his sweet little words of revenge said he would give me the conviction and strength of will to carry out my revenge, and I accepted. I accepted, and he took away every good and warm feeling I ever had till I felt nothing but hate. Hate for the Union. So I took the gray, and I joined the Confederacy, and I fought, and I killed, and I kept on killing all that was left of me was hate. Not just hate for the Union Army, the hate for the Union itself. Hell, hate for the Confederacy, hate for the war, hate for all mankind. And that was all I was. Till Matsuhara put a blade in my skull. But it didn't stop there, as you full well know. I'm what I am now. You've only seen me wearing Matsuhara's face. You ain't seen me. I saw you when you were alive. No, I mean now. You ain't seen the real me, what I've become. The demon. <laughs> Torn between madness, but death gave me a little bit of clarity. Sometimes it comes through. Been better of late. No doubt you've noticed, or maybe not. No, something. But. Yeah. I'm a little bit more me now. Don't go trusting that, though. Hell no. Don't trust you. For anything. Good. I don't know, that's you. That's how he works. That's what he does to people. Takes away a little piece of them and lets the hate fester. Till they ain't nothing. But that till they ain't nothing but his puppets and his toys. Yeah, well, 
That's why I've turned my back on Hux singing. I ain't gonna save you. We'll see. Don't let yourself fall to a dark place and then we'll see. Alright. I'm gonna give you my Zahara back, but I wanted to tell you that. Wanted to warn you, give you a chance. Otherwise, Rachel, you're gonna end up just like me. And then Haru's face goes slack and you're back. What do you do? She kind of puts like a bracing hand on your shoulder and says he just was talking. That's all. You alright? It's always strange. You're telling me. He said he's been... Raise it more himself. If you've noticed, you may have noticed that I've been able to talk to him without feeling immediate stress, especially when we were back in Jacksonville. I mean, I suppose it's good that you two are getting along and all, but I would much prefer him just out of you all together. I'm not giving up hope yet, Haru. I'm gonna find some way to bring you back. There's gotta be a way. Here we are, trying to take care of each other when we can barely take care of ourselves. <laughs> what a pair we make. What a pair. Trio. Trio. Oh, God. Ah. Hey, like it or not, he's around, and I like him. I like him far more when he's amicable than when he's not. Why, thank you. At least he's not spewing out something about killing the the professor or Gregory, which I really, really do not want to fight a gorilla. Let me tell you, I really do not want to fight a gorilla. Speaking of, <laughs> nah, it's just a joke. Uh, well, if you're alright, I'll um, usual kind of like glance down or something. I'll uh, go get dressed. I will uh, go get some. Something to drink, yes. Something to drink and something to eat. I am ravenous. In fact, actually, something I forgot to mention for all of you, since you left the Valley of Famine, since you left California, since you've gotten to the City of Gloom, food's a lot tastier. A lot more filling. So Rachel, like, gets up to leave the room, and she turns her back, and you can see, like, her shirt, you know, is kind of, like, hanging off her shoulder. You can see, like, from, like, poking out the top of the shirt, like, these scars. They look like whip scars. Like, she's been flogged. But as you were just about to step out, he would just say, please, find your strength again. She'll pause and sigh, and... Say, I don't know. We'll see. He gives you enough time to get to your cabin to get clothes on before he heads out to go find breakfast. And, uh, yeah, it's probably just a little too early for breakfast, but you see that Gregory is up uh, in the galley and is, is getting, like, all the stuff together to make breakfast. He's lighting up the, the stove and scrambling some eggs. Good morning, Gregory. 
they keep fishing Gregory like trying to crack an egg and it just keeps like shattering in his face no I mean he's had time he's gotten an expert at this he's quite proficient so yeah you all get up you have a nice hearty breakfast um, they're all banana flapjacks because <laughs> they they are um, and uh, Professor uh, Daniel comes out on deck takes some readings is like Ah, well, my friends, I'm afraid to report some unfortunate news. We've seemed to have been blown off course ever so slightly, and uh, we will not reach desolation until nightfall. That is unfortunate. I, uh, I will not charge you extra for it, but getting back may be a bit hairy. I see you have a map pasted up here. Where are we on this map? We are right here, and he points to a dot. Wait. Uh, let me take some readings again. Hold on a second. I'll remind you it's 9 a.m. and the sun is to the east. Yes, yes, I know how to do this. God, what an ass. <laughs> I love wine on. Uh, yes, we are, we are here, and uh, we should be arriving in desolation by nightfall. If we're here, then what's that mountain? That's Mount whatever it is. I think we need to course correct by 30 degrees southwest. Do you have navigation? <laughs> I'm just trying to BS my way through this. Um, no, I don't, so... Give me give me a common knowledge roll. Alright. Eh, hey, simple success, baby. Okay, you're correct. Oh, yes. Hmm. Hmm. It gives you a glare. And we're not aware you were a pilot. Oh, I'm not a pilot. Uh, I'm merely a hobbyist in a great many fields. What other hobbies do those include? Oh, uh, well, obviously I'm a talented conversationalist. Uh, Haru starts muttering him to himself in Japanese. I'm a hobby actor for for charity work, of course. And uh, I'd say my latest hobby is uh, curiosity about what happened in Oregon. (laughs) Uh, Which I've learned some details about, but... Uh, I'll pose it again. Ex-Deputy Rachel Jane Kennedy, what happened in Oregon? Why do you want to know so badly what went down in Oregon exactly? Because no one seems to want to really tell me. And when people don't want to speak, it generally means a certain sort of secret worth knowing. I will tell you. And he starts telling everything, but in Japanese. And, And he nods... That is what happened. Like he said. And Gregory looks at you in horror. <laughs> Gregory understands Japanese. So when you do this to Wynon, he looks confused and kind of like pissed off for a second. And then when you're, you know, most of the way done, he gives you like a genuine smile. Most appreciated. Don't take it the wrong way. But... The things that happened in the Rogue Valley are not to be shared with people, especially around people who are unknown. We have a word for you in my country, the kind of person you are seeming to be. I am not going to share it because it is considered taboo. But I do not find you trustworthy. I do not find you 
You are very unpalatable. You are abrasive and rude, and do not make good conversation. I find most of what you've said to be accurate. So, knowing that, please stop asking what happened in Oregon. Alright. You'll tell me when you're ready, I'm sure. I won't ask again. Rachel actually seems surprised by that. Like, oh, that's nice. I think that's a good place to end. Deadlands and Savage Worlds are the property of Pinnacle Entertainment Group. All content is used unofficially under the Savage Media Network license. Find more of their great products at peginc.com. Music is provided by the Eaglestone Collective. Sound effects are by Plate Battle Games and BattleBards. Aircraft effects were provided by soundjade.com. You can find links to all of the above in the show notes. Thank you for tuning in, listeners. I hope you enjoyed the episode and that you'll join us again. Have a wonderful whatever time of day it is for you, and I'll catch you next time.